Welcome to A Better Way with Crossroads Bible Church, a podcast about finding the activity of God in our stories and discovering how Jesus is building His kingdom among us, right here, right now. The goal is to inspire you to see and celebrate God's activity in your own life, too. And now your host, Sherry Hutspeth. Hello, everyone. This is Sherry, and I'm sitting here with Ron Stewart, a longtime family member here at CBC. Welcome, Ron. Thank you, Sherry. It's I really appreciate you inviting me in. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. Well, let's go ahead and start here at the top. Our first question is, how would you describe your spiritual heritage? Yeah, it goes back uh, pretty far. I became a Christian, I can't remember if I was four or five, Mm. but God has given me this amazing blessing in that I remember where I was sitting, what the room looked like. It was a little Sunday school room, low table, low chairs. My teacher was Ruth, Ruth Duff, and she was a single lady, but she loved kids. And she asked me if I wanted to become a Christian, and I said yes. And while I was, while we were talking, I remember the air conditioner clanging in the background. I remember kids in the room. I remember every aspect of when I became a Christian at four or five. Isn't that amazing? That It, it was amazing yeah. because I meet so many people. Yeah, I became a Christian when I was a child. And I don't know why God blessed me with that, mm-hmm. but it has been a blessing. I have a firm memory on when I entered into his kingdom. And I love that you remember the name of the woman who was with you when that happened. That is Mm. so sweet. I mean, to think about getting to interact with her in heaven one day is a really fun thing to think about. And, you know, after that, over the years of still going to that church, bumping into her or whatever, and she asking, how you doing? You know, that was really cool. Yeah, that's part of being a family together in the family of God and those relationships. It's kind of why I have invested so much time in kids. Mm, mm. And teaching Sunday school and all of that because I know the reality that it can be in a child's life so that was cool yeah cool well the next thing we were wondering about is when did faith in Christ first become really important to you like beyond that moment that's so clear in your memory like what's the next thing that you think about that you want to share yeah it was it was when I was in high school and again this is a reason why I think high school ministries are so important had a great youth director. He was uh, fresh out of Dallas Seminary. And we had a bunch of great time together. We did fun stuff. But he was very, um, uh, very adamant about us knowing what God's Word says, Mm -hmm. even in high school. And he took about eight or ten of us out of the big group and said, okay, we're going to spend a year doing a Bible study. And we thought, you know, we'll be covering a lot. No, it was a year only in the book of James. Wow. We diagrammed the whole book. We memorized the whole book. We talked about every verse and every concept. And to this day, I love the book of James. It's really my guiding light. Because James was a realist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it was about the reality of Christian life, not just all these different things, but, you know, James was Jesus's brother and he must have hated Jesus growing up. <laughs> but at some point he had an aha moment. Right. And then James shared that with me through his word. Wow. And so it was really through that that I really realized the reality of life in Christ. And do you have any sense of what the youth pastor saw in you or the eight to ten of you that he invited into that year long? Uh, I think it was seeing maybe some leadership, some engagement, and um, just wanting a group of people, sort of like Jesus, wanting a group of people that he could focus in on. And, um, you know, apparently I fit the bill for making the cut list, and I'm ever grateful to him. I still stay in contact with him. He was a missionary in Mexico, and has traveled all over the world and he's now in Pennsylvania and I still contact him. Yeah. Wow. Well, is there anything else about that question number two that you want to share? Or are you ready to explore number three? I think just a little bit more in that, uh, after that I went to A&M and being involved in InterVarsity helped keep that fire going mm. And then going to seminary, there were a couple of professors there that had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing when you kind of review your story, your life map, so to speak, and you go back and see all these different people that made significant contributions to, Mm. you know, your story with Jesus. Like, it's so easy to appreciate the role that they played in forming who you are in Christ today. Yeah. And... This might, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but, you know, it didn't stop there. Right. It, it, his, his engagement, his story kept unfolding in my life. And uh, while I was at seminary, I started going to Fellowship Bible Church. Mm-hmm. And Bill Counts was the pastor there, and he had uh, written several books on grace. Um, and I really felt very freeing. I felt understanding grace is very freeing. Mm -hmm. Um, Not liberty to do wrong, Mm -hmm. but freedom from thinking I had to be this perfect person. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Darlene Hickson, Hickson was on staff there. And again, I got into the leadership. He was Mm -hmm. on staff, uh, the singles pastor, and I got into leadership with there with with that group and through that got to know Darlene, but getting to know them and their application of grace, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't this long paragraph on what God's grace was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't quoting Romans and what grace is. It was seeing their lives as real and loving Jesus and being who they are, and if you know Stephen Darlene, they're their own people. Yep. And um, realizing I don't have to be the perfect Christian, mm-hmm. which I I was I was laboring under that for quite a few years, mm-hmm. and realizing I can be myself, mm-hmm. and 
that was so freeing. So I think that really set the stage for everything that came afterwards. Yeah, okay. Well, the other thing that we want to look at is, you know, what is Jesus doing right now? And how is what you're noticing about the Lord inviting you into a better way of life at this point? Yeah, and I was thinking, um, you know, God brings things into our lives, and I just kind of outlined a few things. But I think he really brings those things into us to build our faith and realize that we can trust him for the future. Mm. And so there's all those things in the past, but what is God doing right now? Well, I can't, I don't think anybody listening can escape COVID. Right. And the reality of it. But it was, it was a, a mental and psychological burden for me for quite a while Mm -hmm. going what is going on with this and I'll I'll talk about that in a second but really last May is when God started really working in my life and if you remember last May was kind of the apex of the social unrest Mm -hmm. the uh, protests protests moving into riots and everything but the thing that caught me was the tearing down of statues Mm. not so much at the beginning because i could kind of understand where people were coming from Mm -hmm. with uh some of the civil war issues Mm -hmm. but then it got into just almost any statue Hmm. what really got me was uh reading about uh, statues of Jesus, crosses, and uh, numerous statues of people breaking into Catholic churches and wow. destroying statues of, of Mary. Mm-hmm. I'm going, what is going on with this? This is ludicrous. And it really, it really, I really found myself at a point of um, anger. Mm. And not being able to understand really what was going on. And the anger kind of moved on from just being angry to being sad about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And finding myself in kind of despair and sadness. Mm -hmm. And, And that was a difficult position to be in. But then it went from being sad about it to God working in my life and coming to a point of compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling feeling kind of sorry for those people that they were so lost that mm-hmm. this is how they had to work out mm-hmm. their feelings. Mm-hmm. And feeling sad for him and realizing why why was I so surprised at the beginning? Mm-hmm. People without Christ have mm-hmm. no uh, bearing per se. And I'm not saying that against everybody, but mm-hmm. there's not that spiritual uh, rock. And so I started moving into more of a compassion for them. 
And how long would you say, like, from that first moment that you were, like, shocked and angry about it until you genuinely could feel compassion for them? Like, how long of a journey was that yeah, for I you? Think, I think that was uh, several weeks, if mm-hmm. not a month or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from, from the compassion, um, I kind of moved into caring about, well, compassion and caring, but then going, oh, wait a minute. I can be praying for them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pray for them individually because I didn't know them. Although several images, even to today, are stuck in my mm-hmm. in my mind, and in those images, I pray for those people. Mm-hmm. But the overall going without Christ, I need to be compassionate. And I can pray for people to find Christ. And it sounds a little bit trite, and it's all stuff I knew, but these circumstances made it much more real. Hmm. And Christ coming alongside of me to go, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, you're going, you are going down the wrong path. This is how I see them. They're made in my image. I have compassion on them. My desire is that everybody uh, believes in me. So what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And so it started out with, you know, praying for them. And uh, I don't know if I necessarily remember every day to pray for all unbelievers. Right. But when I see things that start me towards the path of sadness or anger and then wanting justice Mm -hmm. and justice is god's arena not mine Mm -hmm. uh and then moving on into the compassion then it does help me remember wait a minute god has compassion on them and what can i do to show god's compassion and really in the end um the whole covid thing I've really come to go realize, okay, God, you are in control. Mm. Yes, Satan is constantly taking what your plans are and trying to subvert them. Mm -hmm. But you are in control. And even in all this COVID stuff, God, you're in control. And if your purpose in all of this is to reveal yourself then I see you in the midst of all of this. I see a contrast of you Mm. in the craziness, Mm. and I see the compassion of you in why people need you. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a journey. The, The moving from anger to praying for people was... A couple of months or something like that. Yeah. And then even longer to go, God, you're in control. You have a purpose in everything. What is it? Oh, that your name be glorified in all situations, whether it be good or bad. And was there anything about that, you know, May, June time frame where you're going through that, that ended up giving you a perspective that helped you with other challenges that presented themselves since then in this, you know, COVID 
world that we've been living with, lots of challenges have arisen in this time. I think one thing in particular, because COVID comes up in our conversations all the time, Mm -hmm. is when the conversation starts to go towards despair or worry or fear, I've had the opportunity many times to go, yes, but God is in control. Mm -hmm. And we can look at the big picture. Um, And we have a hope in the midst of all of this, not only because God is in control, but he has a plan for us. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that is something that I've been able to to use. Now that's not that didn't answer your question exactly, but it is a way that I've grown since that time till now mm-hmm. in encouraging uh, people and myself, mm-hmm. okay, God's in control. And we sing about it, we say it, but the Christian life is a twofold thing. It's looking at God's word to see who God is. And then it's also experience experiencing God. Mm-hmm. So we can know about God and that lays the foundation for us to know God. Mm-hmm. And just like with our friends, we, you know, kind of through social media, we don't really get to know people, but we might know about them through that, like how wonderful their life is and how all together they have it. <laughs> but we don't get to know people until we spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants from us. We look at his word to know about him, but we spend time with him mm-hmm. as an experience to really know who he is. Right. And, you know, the journey that you went on for that couple of months gave you a perspective that then when you were spending time with your friends, other people that wanted to have conversations about things that were making them angry or making them sad, mm-hmm. you know, then you had this perspective that the Lord had given to you to pass on to them. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is how the, the growth in us then overflows into helping other people flourish as well. Like God takes our experience right. and gives that for us to pass on to somebody else. Which is what the body is all about. Right. You know, so often we think about, you know, just going to church or doing things individually. But God wants us to be in the body of believers. And that's how we grow. I get challenged by others, and hopefully I can challenge challenge others. Yeah. And I think through the experience of COVID, which was trying to individualize us Mm. and make us do, you know, social distancing at the grocery store, but social distancing us from other believers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that was not what was appropriate, but we have to realize it and how do we overcome that and engage in the body in a very real and meaningful way. Yeah, earlier you were mentioning something about COVID 
I don't remember exactly how you put it, but this idea that there was fears that were coming up and concerns that were happening at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is one of the the concerns of living life out with one another is the separation that was happening. And so um, can you say more about like encountering fear and then you know, working with God around all that to gain some kind of a perspective. And then what did that look like on the other side of the fear after you've spent time with the Lord with your yeah, question? That uh, That's a, a great point, Sherry. And, you know, we are constantly called to move from fear to faith. Mm-hmm. And yet fear is such an easy place to go to. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I think of it in terms of uh, fear with things at work or our finances or our children or so many different things that causes us to not mature in our faith. Mm-hmm. And really, I, I think what I've kind of have come to realize and it's living on the fringe it's so easy to live in the middle where it's nice and safe but as we live on the fringe we're opening ourselves up to more difficult situations and that is how God grows us Mm. how many times Sherry have you grown by everything being great in your life (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't happen then. It doesn't happen. And yet we make our choices and our plans to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. But God wants us to be in positions. Now, sometimes he brings them in to our lives. Mm -hmm. He brings a, a door in and a difficult situation, and we can choose to run from it, or we can choose to open the door accept the difficulty, and then grow through it. And But I think sometimes we can live on the fringe. We can walk on the edge of what, how we deal with our finances or how we deal at work. We can walk on the edge trusting God that if something difficult comes in, He's going to be there. And the reason God through Peter, through through First Peter, through James, through John, Paul's writings, all the things that talk about trials and tribulations and suffering, not testing. Hmm. God never tests us. But, uh, no, not te- temptation. God never tempts us. He tests us. He brings us through trials. He offers us suffering all so that we can grow and grow in him to trust him that he is there and we can't depend on ourselves mm. when when carol and i lived in china it was carol and i felt like it was carol and i against 1.2 billion chinese wow. all fighting against us and we came to realize we can't do this <laughs> we can't Um, do what we were called to do in China on our own. Mm. So it broke us down and we had to depend on God. Mm. And there's so many more situations like that that happen 
at the fringe, mm-hmm. not in the safety of making uh, mm-hmm. safe decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the circumstances kind of pushed us all out into these fringe experiences. They were unfamiliar. We hadn't experienced them before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so when you think about like what you've learned in this year of COVID, what is it that you think you've received that gives you hope for the future? Well, you, you took my main word, and that was hope. But uh, I, I think what brought the hope was moving from uh, anger, to sad, uh, anger to wanting justice, to sadness, to compassion. Mm-hmm. And then from compassion to praying for others and realizing ultimately God was in control. Mm-hmm. And it's that combination of compassion and realizing that God is in control and the action of prayer mm-hmm. is right sandwiched between those mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. But the realizing that God is in control, uh, man... What kind of hope is that? And, uh, oh, where is it? Uh, there's a quote that, oh, that Charlie put on the screen mm-hmm. from Dallas, Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. And it says, you can't trust God in areas you don't think he's competent. <laughs> right. And if you, if you think about that, that's what fear is, is not trusting God right. because you don't have the right picture. Well, studying his word gives you a better picture of who God is, but you can't just stop there. You have to be able to trust him that he is competent to do what he says he will do. Right. That makes me laugh because I remember a very distinct moment when the thought occurred to me for the very first time, oh my gosh, God is so smart. And, you know, it's like after you think it and you say it out loud, you're like, well, of course he is. Like he's the creator of the entire universe. Like, um, but, but it's that for me, it was that moment of, of seeing God as competent and trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know, and ready to follow him into whatever's coming because he knows what he's doing. Right. That, and I think that is the key that realizing that who we're talking about here is God of the universe, (laughs) eternity past, Mm -hmm. eternity future, which that just blows my mind. But he created us. um, And, you know, through Genesis and creation and everything, and then as you get into the word, he created us to reveal his glory. Mm-hmm. Who he is. Mm-hmm. What artist takes their picture, paints it, and then puts it in, you know, in the closet? <laughs> right. They, you, it's just how God is. God is this amazing person, and he wants to reveal himself. Right. And so he, re, he created us to reveal his glory, and then he gives us the privilege as believers to reflect his glory to those around us. Mm-hmm. So whether it's sharing stories of COVID, whether it's talking to somebody uh, in the kitchen at work 
about what God did in your life, you are revealing God's glory, and that's why we were created. And that gives us a hope. It does. Well, Ron, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, I'm so thankful for each person that's willing to come in and have this conversation together. So thank you for being willing to do this. Oh, you bet. It was a joy. And to our listeners, we hope you've heard something that has encouraged you today. May we all receive what we need to follow Jesus into a better way. Amen. Amen.